Can you dream of a world immune to cancer? Hello everyone, my name is Nick and I'm the host of the annual live stream for The Cure where content creators and podcasters from around the world join me to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute and Immunotherapy Research, which is training the body's immune system to fight against all forms of cancer. Over the past seven years, thanks to the power of indie podcasters and the indie podcasting community and listeners just like you listening to this right now, we have raised over $90,000. And as I record this now, the eighth annual live stream for The Cure is barreling down upon us really, really quickly in just about two weeks. So join us, please, from May 29th through June 1st for 48 hours of amazing content from people all over the world and help us fight for a world immune to cancer. I'll now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Thank you so, so much. And together... We can make a difference. Not all of us can storm a beach or drive a tank, but there's still a way all of us can fight. Who wants to fight like the man for what's right Series E defense bonds. Each one you buy is a bullet in the barrel of your best guy's gun. Who will campaign door to door for America? Best guy's gun. Who'll hang the noose on the goose, snapping goons from Berlin? Bullets and bandages, tanks and tents. Now that's where you come in. Every bond you buy will help protect someone you love. You keep our boys army ready, and the Germans will think twice about trying to get the drop on us. Hi everyone, I'm Em and welcome to Verbal Diorama episode 71, Captain America, the first Avenger. This is the podcast that's all about the history and legacy of movies you know and movies you don't. Thank you for joining me yet again for another thrilling episode of Verbal Diorama. I hope that you're all well and it's December, uh, which means generally for most people only one thing, that it's the holiday season, it's Christmas... And it seems like, to me, someone needs to sock old coronavirus on the jaw. So who better than Captain America? Uh, and while I, I, I admit 
It looks like I'm bringing out the MCU big guns in quick succession, obviously with Black Panther in November. Uh, This particular episode was always planned for December, but Black Panther was never planned for November. So it's just kind of transpired that it looks like I'm bringing out the big guns of the MCU now. Um, But there originally was a bit more of a gap. Um, And I also appreciate that this has come just after a DC movie which kind of wasn't intentional either because I planned kind of month on month. So I planned November. Obviously, all of that changed with Black Panther. Um, And then I planned December separately to November. So it didn't really occur to me that I was doing Birds of Prey and then Captain America straight after. So so yeah, maybe that was a bit of a faux pas on my uh, part. I'm not sure. But um, as I said, this episode follows Birds of Prey. And um, and quite a few people surprised me, actually, by kind of suggesting that the episode that I did kind of made them reevaluate Birds of Prey. Um, and I really do understand that a lot of people aren't keen on that movie and I kind of get why. Uh, but I mean, I love it. I think it's great fun. Um, but obviously, a massive thank you to everyone who did let me know their thoughts on episode 70, because it seems like while the movie divides opinion that the episode didn't. So uh, so that's nice. I'm going to quickly move on because this episode's probably going to be quite long. <laughs> it just it just is. Um so I'm going to move on to the captain. And just FYI, you're going to be hearing the words underrated a lot in this episode. But uh, but we'll start with the trailer for Captain America the First Avenger. Five different cities. I can offer you a chance. He will be the first in a new breed of super soldiers. Why me? Because the weak men lose the value of strength, lose the value of power. That wasn't so bad. That was penicillin. We are going to win this war because we have the best men. Now, Mr. Stark. Today, we personally escort Adolf Hitler to the gates of hell. America has entered World War II and sickly but determined Steve Rogers is frustrated at being rejected yet again for military service. Everything changes when Dr. Erskine recruits him for the secret Project Rebirth. Proving his extraordinary courage, wit and conscience, Rogers undergoes the experiment and his weak body is suddenly enhanced into the maximum human potential. When Dr. Erskine is then immediately assassinated by an agent of Nazi Germany's secret Hydra research department, headed by Johann Schmidt, a.k.a. the Red Skull, Rogers is left as a unique man who is initially misused as a propaganda mascot. However, when his comrades need him, Rogers goes on a successful adventure that truly makes him Captain America and his war against Schmidt begins. Let's run through the cast of this movie. I don't even think I need to because, let's be honest, I don't think anyone doesn't know 
who Captain America is and who plays Captain America. But I'm going to tell you anyway. So uh, we have Chris Evans as Steve Rogers, a.k.a. Captain America. Tommy Lee Jones as Colonel Chester Phillips. Hugo Weaving as Johann Schmidt, a.k.a. Red Skull. Hayley Atwell as Peggy Carter. Sebastian Stan as James Bucky Barnes. Dominic Cooper as Howard Stark. Neil McDonough as Dum Dum Dugan. Derek Luke as Gabe Jones. Stanley Tucci as Abraham Erskine and Toby Jones as Arnim Zola. Additionally, Samuel L. Jackson reprises his role as Nick Fury. Richard Armitage portrays spy Heinz Kruger and the late Stan Lee cameos as a general at Captain America's Medal of Honor ceremony. The screenplay for this movie was by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Uh, They are two very well-known names in the world of the MCU. They would go on to continue to write for Captain America, as well as Thor The Dark World and the two final Avengers movies. This is based on Captain America by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, and the movie was directed by Joe Johnston. So let's start with the origins of Captain America, and I say this reasonably loosely as the character has been around for so long, uh, genuinely, just forever. Um, And while this episode will be discussing the Steve Rogers, Captain America, there have, of course, been others who have adopted the alias of Captain America in the comics, namely Bucky Barnes and Sam Wilson, uh, both characters for whom we probably will be coming to at some point, as well as Peggy Carter and the daughter of Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, Danielle Jones-Cage. There are many others as well, um, but I am kind of feel like I don't really want to go into them because I just want to focus on the Steve Rogers Captain America. It's also worth noting that the character of Steve Rogers also has multiple arcs uh, as different versions of Cap in alternate timelines. Um, And to be honest, this episode will probably be flooded with all of that because there's a lot. So I will say that if you're interested in multiple versions of the Steve Rogers Captain America, then do a quick Google search and immerse yourself in several hours worth of aliases and alter egos. So Captain America was originally conceived as Super American by Joe Simon in 1940. His name was changed to Captain America, mainly because there were a lot of supers, uh, but not that many captains in comic books. World War II had started in 1939 and anti-Nazi sentiment was rife even before the United States became involved in the war. Captain America was created by cartoonists Joe Simon and Jack Kirby as a consciously political creation to show a patriotically themed hero uh, and first appeared in Captain America Comics number one in March 1941. That was published by Timely Comics, which showed on the cover Captain America punching Adolf Hitler, uh, which surprisingly was not only very well received, but also got a bit of opposition to what the character stood for. So they actually got hate mail and threats uh, at the office of Simon and Kirby. Uh, They were actually ended up given police protection uh, because of it. Interestingly, Captain America didn't debut in another series. Uh, Unlike someone like Black Panther, who obviously I talked about in episode 68, Cap got his debut in his own comic book. uh, And that was where he had the famous shield-shaped shield on the cover. It wasn't until issue two that he was given his famous round shield, made of not just vibranium, but an adamantium vibranium alloy. Obviously, the MCU didn't own the rights to adamantium, That's obviously found in the skeleton of Wolverine. And so for the movies, the shield became pure vibranium, the source of which is Wakanda, which is another lovely little link to Black Panther. There are more links to Black Panther coming. Uh, Timely comics would eventually evolve in the 1960s to become Marvel comics. But in Captain America, Timely would find its most popular character. Uh, They would sell one million copies per month at the start of the 1940s. When Kirby and Simon moved to DC in late 1941, after producing 10 issues of Captain America, Al Averson and Sid Shores took over the character, and he was featured in all Winners Comics issues 1 to 19. Cap led Timely's first superhero team-up, which was not the Avengers, it was the All Winners Squad, uh, as the popularity of the character started to wane after the end of World War II. He also had a girlfriend at this point. Her name was Betsy Ross. And no, not Betty Ross, Betsy. Uh, She was the superhero Golden Girl. Betsy would actually be retconned in 2010 as the aunt of Thunderbolt Ross and the great aunt of Bruce Banner's girlfriend, Betty Ross. The origin of Steve Rogers has changed over time, but what stays the same is 
his induction into the super soldier project during world war ii steve is a frail scrawny young man uh, also canonically the child of immigrants he constantly attempts to enlist into the army but is constantly rejected due to his ailments and frailness project rebirth is looking for a test subject for an experimental serum to create super soldiers Scientist Abraham Erskine refuses to document the process of creating the serum, and so when he is killed by Nazi spy Heinz Kruger, the serum formula dies with him, leaving Steve the only successful super soldier. What happens next differs from the movie that we're eventually going to talk about. He's supplied with a patriotic uniform and poses as a private in Virginia, forming a friendship with a teenage Bucky Barnes, the camp mascot. Bucky eventually learns of Steve's identity as Captain America and becomes his sidekick. And together they fight Nazis, led by the Red Skull, during World War II until they both presumably die in 1945 against Baron Zemo. Uh, that is another name that you will probably know. But this being comic book death, it's soon revealed that neither is actually dead. Once the war is over, Cap fights communism before being preserved in ice and being discovered by the Avengers in 1964, and he assumed leadership of the team shortly after. The MCU version of Cap follows the ultimate Marvel comic books primarily, where his best friend is Bucky. He becomes Captain America in pretty much the same way, except he's accompanied by Bucky on his missions, including one to infiltrate Arnim Zola's laboratory, where he is attempting to create an experiment of his own. Herr Kleiser is attempting to drop bombs on the White House, but Cap is too late to stop them being launched, but he stops them in midair and falls into the sea, presumed dead. He is then thawed from the ice in the modern day and inducted into the Ultimates, the superhero task force managed by S.H.I.E.L.D. There's some of the bits with other characters, but... Generally, the history on Captain America is so vast, it would be impossible for me to go through all of the different iterations of Captain America on this one podcast. So I'm not going to. I just wanted to give you a brief kind of introduction to the comic book version of Cap, because they did a really good job in this movie, I think, of bringing in all of these different parts of different comic books and just kind of making his story so interesting and so different from anyone else's story. And this is not the first time that they've attempted to adapt Captain America. With the original comics, uh, they decided that they wanted to adapt Captain America from the comics into a serial. And that started with the Black and White Republic film in 1944, which was not only the most expensive serial that Republic ever made, it was also the one that went the most over budget. Uh, it's also the first time a Marvel character appeared on screen theatrically. In this serial, Captain America, the superhero alter ego of District Attorney Grant Gardner, he learns of the villain Scarab's intentions to unleash, and I'm not joking and I'm not even making this up, the dynamic vibrator onto the world. And... Uh... <laughs> I wish I was making it up, but I'm not. So, um, so yeah, that is the plot, the very basic plot of this particular Black and White Republic serial. Captain America, the first Avenger, would pay homage to this serial in the scenes where Steve Rogers is starring as himself in his own Black and White serials early in his propaganda career. Uh, it's only very briefly shown, but it is basically a little homage to this Republic film. A TV movie followed in 1979, uh, Steve Rogers was played by Red Brown. He is given an experimental drug after a potentially fatal attempt on his life, which gives him superhero abilities. A sequel, Captain America 2, Death Too Soon, followed the same year. Probably the most famous, or should I say infamous, attempt is the 1990 Captain America movie, which was in development hell for many years, but intended to be released in 1990 to commemorate the 50th anniversary of the character. It ended up getting released direct-to-video on on cable TV in the summer of 1992 in the US, but here in the UK, we got it in 1990, so yay for us. Um, I'll admit, I've not seen it. I've seen clips of it on YouTube. <laughs> the thing that struck me the most about it was the fact that he's wearing this, this kind of full-body suit with the full-body uh, headpiece as well, but the headpiece has its own ears, so he has like rubber ears and it's really bizarre. If you ever look at a clip of it on YouTube, look out for the rubber ears. It's very jarring to have a guy on screen with rubber ears. Why they didn't just let him have his own ears, I don't know. It's weird. But anyway, 
so Captain America First Avenger. So it was seven years later that Marvel started negotiations to produce a new Captain America. Uh, Mark Gordon and Gary Levinson were to produce with a script by Larry Wilson and Leslie Boehm. In May 2000, a collaboration between Marvel and Artisan Entertainment would finance the picture, but this was halted by a lawsuit between Marvel and Joe Simon over the ownership of the character of Captain America. That lawsuit was settled in September 2003. Following the lawsuit, Marvel intended to sell the rights to the character to Warner Brothers, but this is where David Maisel comes into the story. And as I've mentioned a few times on this podcast before, Marvel was not in the best financial health at the time. They had sold the rights to their big properties, uh, X-Men and Spider-Man, and the resulting movies in 2000 and 2002 respectively had been massive financial hits for respectively Fox and Sony. Part of the deal for the characters, though, had been that Marvel would gain revenue from consumer products. This helped Marvel recover financially, and so the focus was still on licensing characters out. David Maisel reportedly lobbied to block the deals for both Captain America and Thor, and suggested Marvel make the movies themselves. They were willing to do so as long as they didn't have to spend any money on them. So David Maisel agreed a deal with Merrill Lynch in 2005 for $525 million, allowing them to produce films themselves, including Captain America, with a distribution agreement with Paramount Pictures. It was originally hoped to be released in the summer of 2008, and David Self was hired to write a script in 2006, with Jon Favreau showing interest in directing the film as a comedy. Favreau obviously would instead choose to take that tone with Iron Man, which was released in 2008, uh, along with The Incredible Hulk. At the same time, during the 2007-2008 period, the Writers Guild of America was striking. But in January 2008, Marvel reached an agreement with the Guild that would put writers back to work on their projects, one of which was Captain America, which was announced after the success of Iron Man to be titled The First Avenger, colon, Captain America. Louis Leterrier, who had directed The Incredible Hulk, was interested in directing Captain America, but was turned down by Marvel. It was Joe Johnston's work on The Rocketeer, which is episode 61 of this podcast, and I'm going to remind you later. Uh, So he worked on The Rocketeer and October Sky, um, and that basically caught the attention of Kevin Feige. And it's worth noting as well that Joe Johnston had also done special effects work on Star Wars, um, and Star Wars, as well as Raiders of the Lost Ark, would remain key influences on this particular movie going forward. Johnston joined the project in November 2008 and Julie hired Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely to rewrite the script. And we've not even got into Chris Evans yet. Um, <laughs> I feel like this episode might be a long one. Um, because while Chris Evans simply is Steve Rogers and he is the ideal Captain America, he wasn't even considered for a long time. Uh, actors who auditioned for the role include Alexander Skarsgård, Ryan Felipe and Kellen Lutz, all of whom also auditioned unsuccessfully for Thor, as well as Garrett Hedlund, Chase Crawford, Sebastian Stan, who would obviously go on to be cast as Bucky. Uh, and probably the most famous unsuccessful applicant was John Krasinski, whose future wife, Emily Blunt, would get the part of Black Widow for Iron Man 2, but have to turn it down due to scheduling conflicts. Uh, I mentioned that in Edge of Tomorrow as well. Krasinski was a front runner for a while, and I think he would have been a good cap, actually. But while he was never on the original list, Kevin Feige was interested in Chris Evans uh, and kind of became determined to have him. Chris Evans was offered the role and he turned it down. And he turned it down twice. Uh, and this was basically because he kind of cited a anxiety on... Not only the scale and scope of this movie, but the fact he'd already been in two Marvel movies. Because you'll remember, he was Johnny Storm in the Fantastic Four and Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer movies in the 2000s. Neither of which had set the box office or critics alight. Evans didn't want to sign a nine-picture deal with Marvel. And eventually it was negotiated down to a six-picture deal. But Evans was still unconvinced and he ended up having a chat with Robert Downey Jr. who eventually persuaded him. Evans had never even read a Captain America comic before he was cast. And it feels bizarre that someone so perfect for the role as Chris Evans would have such massive doubt. I mean, it's understandable, really. Sometimes, sometimes you do just have to jump in at the deep end. But ultimately, it came down to the fact that he didn't want to be tied in to make potentially six awful movies. 
And what we've got to remember is the MCU was in its infancy at the time and no one really knew whether Iron Man was a fluke or whether it was the start of something massive. Um, so there was always going to be a bit of a fear there for anyone joining <laughs> joining the franchise at the time. Not so much now, obviously, because it's pretty much guaranteed that anything Marvel touched turns to gold. But I think it also kind of summarises why he's such a great Steve Rogers and a great Captain America in that he obviously put time into thinking about it and actually considering his options. And is it the right thing for him? So in April 2010, Marvel announced the title of the movie had changed from the first Avenger, colon Captain America, to Captain America, colon the first Avenger. In the retrospectively titled phase one of the MCU, the first Avenger would sit after Thor and before the Avengers. As this was the introduction movie to the Avengers, Joss Whedon would do uncredited rewrites of the script to tie it in and make character connections. Looking at the MCU now, as, as in when this is being recorded, so this is obviously being recorded in the hellscape that is 2020, we are 23 movies into the MCU, so there's been a lot since. This was the fifth movie in the MCU, so there's been a lot since. Um... But looking at the MCU kind of as a whole, this movie feels so much more grounded in its tone and style. Um, and the period setting really kind of helps with that. Um, we forget what the MCU looked like in 2011 because it's changed as it's grown. Um, it's kind of expected now that these movies will be super successful and make lots of money. And in many respects, the first Avenger feels like it's out of time. The same that you know, Steve Rogers is the man out of time. But retaining the World War II setting was the best thing Marvel did for the character, as well as using as much of pre-Serum Steve as possible. And this is because that movies often tell us things. So they'll tell us a character is strong or brave or worthy. But most often, we don't see it. So what Captain America the First Avenger does incredibly well is show us Steve. Uh, but show us Steve pre-serum, so the frail, weak Steve, but most importantly shows us the value of his character, you know, his dislike of bullies, his determination to fight for his country, even if how he's doing it is actually illegal, um, his strength of character, the film's message of kindness above everything and humble origins and knowing the value of something you don't have is something that resonates with me. I've watched this movie a few times over the years and each time I watch it, it gets better. It's one of those that kind of very much rewards repeat viewings and I think that's because the movie is as humble and compassionate as the character. And I think it's kind of summarised very well by a quote by Abraham Erskine, which in a roundabout way says, the serum amplifies everything inside, so good becomes great, bad becomes worse. This is why you were chosen, because the strong man who has known power all his life may lose respect for that power. But a weak man knows the value of strength and knows compassion. Whatever happens tomorrow, promise me one thing. You will stay who you are, not a perfect soldier, but a good man. And that quote really kind of touches me in, in, a, in a really bizarre way, because the whole, you know, a strong man has known power all his life, loses respect for it. I kind of feel like this is one of the reasons why politicians feel so out of touch with 99% of the country they serve. Because a person of status, extravagance or wealth can never understand the plight of someone who's poor, unemployed, disabled or sick. And this movie does a great job of endearing the viewer to Steve as he is before he even becomes Captain America. He is seen as just being an all-round good person, someone who truly understands what it's like to be a weak man. And when he becomes strong to have the value of strength. And pre-Serum Steve, I'm really not keen on calling him Skinny Steve. I know a lot of people do call him Skinny Steve. I'm not, I'm not keen. He was actually created in two major ways. So most of the shots of Chris Evans were given digital plastic surgery by a company based in LA called Lola. That shrunk Evans in all directions, basically. So each scene was shot four times, once normally with Chris Evans and fellow actors, once with Evans alone in front of a green screen, once again with everyone other than Evans, and finally with a body double mimicking Evans' actions 
in case the second technique was required instead. The body double was a guy named Leander Dini. When Chris Evans had to appear shorter than others on screen, practical effects like boxes or elevated walkways were used to make him appear shorter. For close-ups, his fellow actors looked at a mark on his chin that represented where his eyes would be once he was shrunken down, which were digitally removed in post. For the shots that couldn't be achieved by the digital plastic surgery, Evans' head was digitally grafted onto Leander Dini's body. This was done by Evans completing the scene and then Dini mimicking his movements precisely in the second shot. They'd then film a clean shot with no actors. This wasn't particularly easy though because when you're quite muscular, so is your neck. So Chris Evans' neck was quite large, but Leander Dini's wasn't. So they had to digitally graft or project footage of Evans' face below the Adam's apple onto Dini's frame. They couldn't just kind of stick a big head on a small neck. It would kind of look a bit like an elephant's head on a cat's neck or something like that. And the end result still looks quite impressive today. Um, this was actually the first movie that I watched on my <laughs> on my brand new TV. Because uh, I bought a new TV recently. Because, you know, it's Christmas. I'm going to treat myself. And this was the first movie that I watched uh, on my new 4K TV. And uh, <laughs> it, still, it still looks good. It still looks really good. And the effects still look really good as well. Sometimes when you have slightly older CG of someone else's head on another body, it kind of looks a bit floaty, like you've got a bit of a floaty head syndrome. You don't get that with this movie. It's sharp. Like, it still looks really, really good. One of the things that they changed for the movie was instead of making him a war hero straight away and basically sticking him straight into the fight, the super soldier program is cancelled when Abraham Erskine is killed. Phillips wanted an army and ended up with one soldier. Steve becomes a super soldier, essentially without a war to fight, and also becomes a lab rat to try and recreate the serum. And so US Senator Brandt comes up with a solution, Captain America as propaganda a US-wide tour to promote the war effort, to sell war bonds. And this is something that celebrities, usually Hollywood film stars, actually did do during the war to play their part. And it's it's quite good as well because the original Captain America costume is hardly befitting of a big blockbuster movie. Uh, it kind of looks a little bit cheap, like it's literally just been put together for a tour. So the fact that they actually use this as part of his propaganda tour and the serial movies is honestly a genius move because it shows the progress of the character that he starts off wearing this kind of honky suit <laughs> and it genuinely does look quite bad. Um, and then obviously he gets a new suit and it looks so much cooler and so much better. He also gets a bit of a reality check as well because this tour he's doing around the US is a wide success. Like everyone is loving him. He gets standing ovations. Like everyone's loving it. And then he goes to the actual troops fighting in the war. And all of this fame and adoration that he's felt on his US tour kind of comes crumbling down when he realises what he's being used for, that good men are dying on the battlefield. And he kind of needs to do what he's been made to do, uh, especially, and this is kind of spurred on when he realises that Bucky has been captured. And his single-handed rescue of hundreds of captured soldiers gives him his howling commandos, which is... Another little link to Black Panther, because I mentioned Gabe Jones in that episode, and he's here as part of the Howling Commandos. He gets his vibranium shield from Howard Stark, as he and the Howling Commandos sabotage and destroy Hydra bases. And I haven't even really talked about Hydra, because Hydra are kind of going to come into it again uh, in the story going forward. Uh, and I don't want to say too much about that, because I want to save that for a future episode when I obviously start talking about Winter Soldier, I feel like it might be worth saying a little something about Hugo Weaving as Red Skull because the Red Skull makeup still looks really good. And Hugo Weaving's the sort of actor that I think he can bring a gravitas to pretty much any role he puts his mind to. I do feel like a little bit he's holding back as Red Skull. I feel like he could be a bit more moustache twirling if he wanted to be. Um, but I'm still very impressed by the makeup for Red Skull. It still looks really great. And it does actually explain what's going to happen to Red Skull when we see him again. Because I don't know whether I should do spoilers, but I'm going to. Um, basically, 
<laughs> in the MCU, we do see Red Skull again, not with Captain America specifically, but it does kind of make sense if you look at what happens to him when he is basically obliterated by the Tesseract, he does kind of just get shot into space. So, you know, he could just be on any planet anywhere, really. Um, the only thing I will say is when we do see him again, he does not look this good. Uh, I don't think. But, yeah, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll come to that when I talk about the movie that he features in again at some point in the future. Um, but I want to gush about Peggy Carter because Peggy Carter is probably one of the greatest female characters in all of the MCU, like literally every single movie. Cap is a man out of time in the modern day and Peggy is a woman out of time in the 40s uh, because she has a very modern outlook on life. Uh, she looks like a military pinup because obviously it's Hayley Atwell, she would. She's stunning, but her position in the Strategic Scientific Reserve is basically constantly undermined by men. It's something that a lot of women are quite used to. Uh, obviously, it was a lot more rampant in the 40s. But Peggy sees something in Steve that's quite unique. Uh, and also someone who understands what it's like to be demeaned. And unlike every other woman in the movie, she kind of falls for him before he takes the serum. Uh, and there's that lovely scene of Chris Evans coming out of the machine, all buff and lovely. Uh, and she kind of goes to touch him, because obviously you would. And that scene was improvised. Uh, it was the first time that Hayley Atwell had seen Chris Evans without his top off, and instinctively just kind of went to touch him. Peggy and Steve is kind of the ultimate bittersweet wartime love story. Uh, it's kind of likened to Romeo and Juliet a lot, and I don't agree really, because... It's kind of a bit more tragic, I feel, because it's Steve's self-sacrifice that means that they will never have that dance. And Peggy herself, she has agency. She doesn't want to be saved. She never actually needs saving. She's never damseled at any point in the movie. She actually thinks nothing of going after Heinz Kruger and shooting at him herself. And she has an excellent anti-stormtrooper aim too. Um, and it's true that they never really got to date or know each other, but you've got to remember, this is wartime. Wartime romances often didn't. People didn't date for lengthy periods. You literally met someone. You kind of got to know them a little bit. You might go out dancing with them a few times. And then you kind of got engaged. My grandparents married in the early 50s because it was literally a shotgun wedding. So, <laughs> and it was kind of the thing. I know the 50s obviously wasn't wartime, but you treated love as fleeting during the war. Their attachment is more tragic because they didn't get that chance. Not because they did get that chance. And obviously, outside of her romance with Steve, Peggy went on to shape the MCU. She went to found S.H.I.E.L.D., which obviously has issues of its own going forward. But the fact that a woman helped found it, uh, as well as doing many other things. I mean, Peggy is the only character to have her own TV show which ran for two seasons before it was cancelled. And it's glorious. It's so much fun. If you haven't had a chance to watch Agent Carter, please do. Uh, Hayley Atwell gets to kind of step out of this love interest shadow. She gets to build on the character of Peggy. Peggy gets a hell of a lot more to do. You get to know her as a person. It's just so brilliant. And again, Marcus and McFeely, they were the creators of Agent Carter. If you enjoy this movie, please go and find Agent Carter because you will love it it is on Disney Plus. I've compared this movie a lot in the past to when I've spoken about things like The Rocketeer and also Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. So I kind of feel like I don't want to sit here and start comparing them all again because it's pretty obvious, especially with The Rocketeer and the Joe Johnson connection. Um, and honestly, you can see remnants of The Rocketeer in the first Avenger. Way back in episode five on Sky Captain, I compared the music and I'm not going to go through all that again because if you want to listen to that, listen to Sky Captain. But the first Avenger kind of retains the pulpy serial aesthetic that those two movies rely on. I would definitely say if you like this, and I genuinely think it's a very underrated entry into the MCU that, as I said, gets better on each viewing, then you should absolutely watch The Rocketeer. That is definitely available on Disney+, Plus. I know because I've seen it. And also Sky Captain, The World of Tomorrow, uh, which is rarely available on streaming, but sometimes it's on TV. If you're lucky, you might catch it. It kind of begs the question, though, why is this so underrated? Because 
while I'll admit it's not as good as kind of later entries into the MCU, it is the most relatable and grounded entry. And not many of us can relate to being a genius billionaire philanthropist or a god of thunder or a big green rage monster, but most of us should be able to relate to Steve in a sense of the person that he is. We might not be, obviously, super soldiers, but Steve as a person doesn't really change in his morals and in his values. The character does go on his own arc sort of through the MCU up into Endgame, but ultimately Steve has these values of doing the right thing, being a good person and having humility. And I think the first Avenger is a great introduction to this character. Had we just been introduced to Captain America, you know, thawed out in 2012 and fighting with the rest of the Avengers, I don't think we would love him as much. I don't think we would be as invested in him as much. I certainly don't think we would appreciate his values. All we would see is kind of this beefcake soldier. Um, We wouldn't see the young man jumping on a grenade. We certainly wouldn't know his history with Bucky Barnes going into the Winter Soldier. We wouldn't know his background with Hydra uh, and his fight with the Red Skull. Because a lot of that is set up because it's so personal to Steve. And this is why the movie feels underrated, but also important. Because in a franchise of movies that's kind of surrounded by science and magic and gods and monsters, the first Avenger might have the Tesseract and, you know, Super Soldier Serum, But otherwise, it's a simple, basic war story. It's about heroism, love, loss, and and getting back up when you get knocked down. I kind of feel like in the grandiose of the MCU, something like the first Avenger kind of gets almost trampled on. Because it's phase one MCU, because it's not seen as being as dramatic or bold or bright or bombastic as kind of the other, as its stablemates, so to speak it kind of gets forgotten a little bit. Even in the the trilogy, the Captain America trilogy, I think many people will kind of say, well, you've got a good movie and two great movies. When really it's three great movies. It's just that the first Avenger sets up the character of Steve Rogers and his transformation into Captain America so brilliantly, you kind of forget by the point that you get to the Winter Soldier in Civil War... You've had this opportunity to be with this character and to get to know him and to understand why he does what he does in those other two movies and obviously the other Avengers movies. I feel like I'm quite frustrated with people who forget this movie because this movie really deserves to be up there. And I know it never will be up there. It's never going to be up there with something like Avengers Infinity War or Avengers Endgame. No one's ever going to turn around and say, well, Captain America the First Avenger is my favourite movie in the MCU. Because as the movies have gone on, they've got so much bigger. But the groundwork that this movie does is so important for the rest of the franchise going forward. Um, There's also some little references to Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark. They're very small. Like, I think it takes multiple viewings to actually see them. But um, Steve is called A New Hope by Peggy, which is quite nice. As well as there's a chase through the trees on bikes, which is reminiscent of Empire Strikes Back. And um, for Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, Red Skull mentions the Fuhrer's obsession with digging for trinkets in the desert, uh, which is a nice little callback to Raiders of the Lost Ark as well. Um, there's so much that I want to say about this movie. There's so much that I haven't said about this movie. Um, I genuinely think it's a delight. And like I say, it pains me a little. that This is seen as the lesser cat movie because without it, the MCU would not be what it is. And I haven't even talked about the end of this movie uh, where they kind of have this stage setting that he's still in the 50s and he realizes that he's not and then he gets out and it's like he's in New York and it's it's such a great entry point into the Avengers where you get Nick Fury and you kind of know what's going to happen next and it really makes you want to watch the Avengers next because that's like the next in the timeline but this movie is so good (laughs) it's genuinely so good it's so underrated and I really want I feel like I say this every episode, but I really want people to sit down and watch this movie because I guarantee if you liked it before, you will watch it again and you will love it. If you thought it was mediocre before, you will watch it again and you will like it. There's so much brilliance packaged in this movie. Anyway, I feel like I've gone on a little bit about 
Captain America. There's so much more that I want to say about the first Avenger and I can't because I'm running out of time. Uh, <laughs> like Cap. Um, anyway, so moving on to the obligatory Keanu reference. This is a section of the podcast where I like to link the movie that I'm featuring to Keanu Reeves. And it's always super hard to connect Keanu to the MCU. Uh, because so much of the stuff online is either conjecture or clickbait and it's usually one or the other but I will say that the values of Steve Rogers humility honesty compassion justice they are all found in real life hero Keanu Reeves so I will say that if we ever do get a super soldier serum we should give it to Keanu first because he is the ideal candidate other than Chris Evans Chris Evans has basically said he doesn't want to be Captain America anymore Let's make Keanu Captain America, even though he's not American. Let's just do it. <laughs> so the music in this movie, you heard Star Spangled Man at the top of the episode, which I think is just wonderful. I love it when he's on his tour and you get the little montage of everything that's going on. I think it's perfect. Um, Star Spangled Man was composed by the great Alan Menken with lyrics by David Zippel. The score for Captain America the First Avenger, which is gorgeous, by the way, is Alan Silvestri. He would come back to do the Avengers the next year. So Captain America the First Avenger was it premiered at the El Capitan Theatre, which is the same as the Rocketeer, by the way. And I know that a lot of things premiere at the El Capitan, but I thought it was just really nice that it's the same as the Rocketeer. Uh, so it was the 19th of July 2011 with a wide release on the 22nd of July 2011 in the US. It was actually offered out to some countries with the alternative title, The First Avenger, uh, which is what it was known as in Russia, South Korea and Ukraine. It also opened in China in September of the same year, despite China limiting foreign releases. In the US, it opened at number one at the box office and it fell down to third in its second week. And that was against The Smurfs and Cowboys and Aliens. And sometimes I wish I made these facts up, but it's all on box office mojo. Uh, the Smurfs beat Captain America on its second week. And I'm not even going to talk about Cowboys and Aliens because let's just say that movie is not going to be on this podcast. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like Cowboys and Aliens. Maybe, maybe I should take a bit of my own advice and maybe I should revisit Cowboys and Aliens uh, because I, I really did not like that movie when I watched it. Uh, I actually watched that at the cinema and I really wish that I hadn't. Um, but maybe I should take my own advice and maybe I should revisit Cowboys and Aliens. But I'm not going to be doing it anytime soon. Um, anyway, Captain America, the first Avenger. Uh, so it had a budget of $140 million and it ended up grossing $370 million worldwide, uh, which actually puts it second to last in the whole of the MCU. Uh, only The Incredible Hulk has a lower worldwide gross. Um, and it's hard to talk about finances when literally nine of the 23 movies in the MCU has crossed the billion dollar threshold. Uh, but like I say, the first Avenger is a grower. It costs the least to make other than Ant-Man. It was joint with Iron Man in its cost. So it still did good business. And moving forward, we got two sequels. Uh, more about those in a bit. Um, and obviously, critically, the MCU as a franchise tends to be quite critically favoured as a whole. Uh, and Captain America, the first Avenger, retains an 80% fresh rating, which is kind of middle of the road, really, for Marvel movies. As I said, this movie tied into the Avengers straight after, as well as its own sequels, The Winter Soldier and Civil War. As I said, more on those later. Right, moving over to social media thoughts. So what I like to do is I like to find out what listeners of Verbal Diorama think about the movies that I'm featuring. And, um... And again, it feels very much like there's a lot of universal praise for Captain America the First Avenger. And there's also a lot of thoughts in general for Captain America the First Avenger. So I'll start with Twitter because we've got a lot to go through. Um, so we start with at Chance Whitmore 5, who said, I love this movie. I love this character. Chris Evans is amazing in the role, bringing an earnest humbleness throughout his time as Cap. Joe Johnston does a great job of world building and setting a tone for so many of the threads of what became the MCU. At OD Parley Hour said, One of the most underrated MCU films ever. Perfect director choice with Joe Johnston and Chris Evans' performance reminds everyone why Cap is so relevant to fans no matter what decade he appears in. 
at OG Flayer said, What is remarkable about Steve is he was always cap. Even before the serum, he was willing to do the right thing, no matter the cost. The serum didn't make him better. It just let him be Steve on a bigger scale. At Sean Geek Podcast said, Easily one of the best of the Marvel films and probably the best of Phase 1. Sorry, Iron Man. This is the film that made me love the MCU. At Movies at the Mat said, Steve Rogers is my favourite type of character. The one who chooses to do the right thing for seemingly no reason. He isn't motivated by trauma, loss or vengeance, but rather by his kindness. This movie shows us that so well and is why I enjoy it so much. At Gundam underscore Guyver said, Aside from the Avengers, easily my favourite of the MCU's Phase 1. Seeing Cap's transition from weakling to advertising and finally the hero that matched his heart is really inspiring. Plus, Joe Johnston really knows how to do period pieces about heroes. Rocketeer, anyone? At AFC Film Geek said, Never really liked Captain America in the comics. Marvel Studios managed to make him not only likeable, but lovable. Since the moment he jumped on the dud grenade, Captain America stole our hearts. The perfect setup for Avengers Assemble ended with Captain America. At Jamie underscore Filmmaker said, Good movie, great character work on Steve Rogers. At Dan Napolitano said, Making him an actual in-universe comic book hero and basing it on the actual 1940s Captain America was really fun. Into the Spider-Verse and the new PlayStation Spider-Man games also do this. More movies should embrace their comic book history and tone down the drama. At Geek Salad Radio said, It is definitely the best of the solo Phase 1 movies. It's not afraid to allow Cap to be an actual feeling human being instead of a sentinel of virtue. Chris Evans does a fantastic job maintaining the character of Steve Rogers after his procedure. A star-spangled triumph. At NFTDT said, Not the strongest of the three Cap films, and it's probably a good thing that Marvel led with Iron Man to launch the MCU, but that's not to say I didn't enjoy this film. Hayley Atwell was stellar as Peggy Carter, and thoroughly deserved the two spin-off series she got. The Howling Commandos were great. Chris Evans definitely grew into the role over time, but the film is enjoyable. At Movie Maripod said, It doesn't totally work, but I love its sense of time and place in history. First MCU film to start world building. Obviously glad we got Avengers, but it would have been cool to see more of his adventures in the past. Seeing more powers back then would have been awesome. At Oral underscore MFC said, I can do this all day. Cap was never high on my list of heroes until the MCU. Now he tops them all. Chris Evans fills the character with such a wholesome strength of will and unshakable resolve that lifts my spirits whenever he's on screen. Picking up his shield in the face of adversity, from disobeying orders to save his best friend to defying the laws of time to save the entire world, is the true strength of Cap. You can't keep a good man down. At Inspector Flora said, Ernest's performance by Evans and Atwell give this movie heart. Steve Rogers' MCU character arc is one of my favourites. At Stuntgoat75 said, Loved it when it came out, and as the character has developed throughout the MCU films, I think this film has gained more gravitas when you go back to it. Not a weak film in the Cap trilogy, and I love Peggy Carter so much. At Kevin underscore the critic said, Great production design and casting. At BLC Agnew said, Before the first Avenger, I didn't give two figs about Captain America. Afterward, he became my favourite MCU hero, full stop. The retro sci-fi aesthetic is great fun, and the pulp adventure tone makes the first Avenger feel like the best Indiana Jones movie since 1989. But it's Chris Evans' startlingly no-perfect performance as Steve Rogers that cements him, alongside icons like Christopher Reeve, whose performances brilliant embody their characters, and his chemistry with Hayley Atwell creates a narrative spine through the entire MCU. If the first Avenger were the only Captain America film, I'd love it for its two-fisted thrills and well-drawn characters. But the fact that it's the ground floor for some of the most satisfying payoff in franchise film history sure doesn't hurt. At Next to the Isle said, Very good film as an introduction to a larger-than-life mythical character. Shows how he is worthy from the start. At Scott Witchman said, Just watch this one again on Thanksgiving. It's an instant classic. The themes about service and standing up for the downtrodden resonate even more now. Brilliant storytelling elements and performances from all involved. Evans is a modern-day Christopher Reeve. At Jonathan Blade said, Low-key the start of the most successful modern film trilogy, in that the films are both unique and objectively good at what they do. Evans is a transcendent constant. The only fault in this diesel punk fantasy is that it's an origin story, which cuts into the actual cap action. At M Top Deck, MCT2218 said, My favourite Marvel movie. At Alan Arke said, Joe Johnston deserves more recognition and thanks, and a whole damn MCU or Star Wars series of his own. At Pinto Comics said, Great adaptation of the cap mythos from the books. Highly overlooked film, one of the best MCU films too. At Spielb Wally said, I'm finding that movies I enjoy really hit the mark with the performances. 
Haley, Tommy and Stanley all do great characters. Not a word of dialogue, but the look shared by Haley and Tommy when he hands her the closed file on Steve Rogers Speaks Volumes. At Move Reviews In said, Actually, there's scenes in Guardians of the Galaxy Thor 2 and Thor that predate Cap. Now I've gone full nerd, it's good but not great. But what it did really well was lay the foundations on which Avengers and Winter Soldier could thrive off of. FYI, if you do an ep on Winter Soldier and don't invite me on. And uh, included a gif of Cap splitting a log in half. Um, I don't think, Sam, you've got the power to do that. Uh, I'm just going to put it out there. At Cam Spillman said, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on it. It's so different from the other two Cap films. When it came out, I don't think it was as well-loved as it is now. Did the second two films retroactively improve people's perception? I think it did for me. Bonus, it's nice to have a character who is good because of their morals, not because of others. There's probably some political analogy to draw here, but I wouldn't know about that. At Black Girls Do Stuff said, Before this movie, I was not a fan of Cap in the comics, but this movie made me appreciate Steve Rogers so greatly that I leaned into Cap and became a fan of his superhero identity. Also, Chris Evans, as a blonde, but still bae. At Need Three Mugs said, Cap was never my favourite character from the comics, but this film persuaded me differently. He became a character with heart, his friendship with Bucky, his desire for Peggy. As sad as it made me in Endgame, this made me realise why he had to take a chance and travel back. At Betamax Pod said, Peggy should have had a dozen movies. At Senor Bongo said, Personal investment in this as I watched some of the filming in Manchester Northern Quarter and eagerly awaited the film's release. Did not disappoint a proper entertainment fest. Ooh, okay, so that's just Twitter. <laughs> Moving over to Instagram, uh, at FWM underscore pod said, This was the first MCU film where I really felt like they were going to knock this out of the park. Having grown up with Marvel, Captain America wasn't my personal favourite, but Chris Evans brought so much depth to the character and they really made me invested in him. Plus, it really felt part of something bigger. Over on Facebook, Matthew said, One of my favourite MCU movies. A lot of fans of Cap had their doubts about Chris Evans and Steve Rogers, but in the end, he defined not only Steve, but Captain America as a cinematic character. He took Cap's often annoying trait of self-righteousness and turned it into integrity, allowing this movie to be loaded with pulpy fun, but also to take the idea of 1940s super science and make it believable. And then there is Peggy. Where do you begin? She was really the start of strong and smart female characters in the MCU, Shooting at Steve out of jealousy aside, Haley Atwell was simply aces as Peggy. The entire movie is perfectly cast and finished an amazing foundation to what the MCU would become. Now, when will we get a Logan, Captain America, Rocketeer, World War II team-up movie? I don't know, but I would be so into that. Um, and finally, Eric said, Still my favourite MCU film to this day. Everything just feels solid from the wonderful cast starring Chris Evans, the lovely Haley Atwell, Hugo Weaving, Stanley Tucci and Tommy Lee Jones. I'm not kissing you, to the 40s period and pulp adventure aesthetic, which I'm an absolute sucker for, all under the direction of the underrated Joe Johnston. While I acknowledge Winter Soldier and Civil War are better made, the first Avenger is still my go-to of the series. It's just so much fun and heartwarming, especially in its idealistic hero and themes, which I feel we need more of these days. Woo, okay. Thank you to everyone for providing comments. Again, not as many as Black Panther, but I don't think we were ever going to beat Black Panther. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you to everyone for providing comments and pretty much all positive, which for a movie that feels so underrated, it's actually quite nice to get so many positive comments from people who just really, really love this movie. Um, it's a solid old-fashioned retro blockbuster with Chris Evans just personifying Steve Rogers and Captain America. He is the beating heart of this franchise and I'm so glad he trusted his gut and went with this movie. It would not be the same without him. Uh, he's actually become as well very much a real life Captain America in recent years. But it's also great he's not been typecast uh, and can retire from this role knowing how beloved the character is. Um, because I think it would have been very easily been a very kind of muddled schlocky mess uh, a bit like the movie that came before it uh, but with the writing team of Marcus and McFeely uh, who obviously understand this character so much uh, they would continue to write for him uh, as well as like I say Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame uh, Joe Johnston's very steady period pulp directorial hand and with kind of Chris Evans just embodying the heart and soul of this character I feel like it shouldn't be so underrated. It should be celebrated. Uh, and I actually implore that if you're listening and you've not seen Captain America, the first Avenger in a while, watch it again. You will love it that little bit more. Uh, I feel like 
in years time when the MCU content is reevaluated, this movie will be a hell of a lot more appreciated just by how simple and, and sweet and solid it is because it really genuinely is all of those things but it's so much more than all of those things as well um i mean you've listened to the episode you know what i think i'm not i'm not gonna say it again but yeah all of those things it's it's just such a brilliant fun movie thank you for listening as always i would love to hear your thoughts on captain america the first avenger if you do like this episode uh i would love it if you would take a moment to rate and review on something like Apple Podcasts. Um, It is completely free and it is the best way to show a podcast that you like what they do. Uh, Also, you can tell your friends, especially if they're a fan of Chris Evans or Captain America or Steve Rogers or Hayley Atwell or Peggy Carter (laughs) because because I'm a fan of all of those things too. Uh, Maybe they might like to listen to this episode. If you do like this episode on Captain America the First Avenger, you might also like the following episodes. Uh, obviously, episode five, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Clearly, I've mentioned it before. Um, I also think that you might quite like Hellboy as well, which is episode 38. Um, because again, it has Nazis in it. <laughs> and and uh, everyone likes fighting Nazis. Um, episode 56, X-Men, which is again a great origin story and it also is the origin story of Kevin Feige in the MCU and uh, it's always interesting to see the progression of of these people in the background and how someone like Kevin Feige can start off as an assistant on X-Men and end up being literally one of the most powerful men in Hollywood Um, so yeah listen to X-Men episode 61 The Rocketeer obviously I've mentioned that in the episode already and episode 68 Black Panther Because arguably, without Captain America the First Avenger, we probably would not have Black Panther. Captain America the First Avenger walked so Black Panther could run. Uh, And there's also, like I say, some lovely little nods between Black Panther and Captain America as well. Give me feedback on my episode recommendations. Do you think I missed any? Let me know. Uh, Next episode. So how do you follow Captain America? There's really only one way to follow Captain America, and that's with Captain America. Uh, I couldn't do the First Avenger without the Winter Soldier. Uh, And I'm really sorry, Sam, for movie reviews in 20 Qs. I know you said in your comment that you would not be happy if I did the Winter Soldier without you, but I don't think that we have time because the Winter Soldier is going to be out in like a week. (laughs) And and, um, yeah, there is no time to get you on. Uh, So I'm really sorry about that. It's going to be an awkward conversation the next time we speak. But um, it's got espionage. It's got cover-ups. It's got great Black Widow. Probably the best Black Widow. It's got Robert Redford, guys, in a Marvel movie. Everyone's a Hydra agent. It changed the face of S.H.I.E.L.D. Captain America the Winter Soldier is episode 72 of Verbal Diorama. And I'm not even going to insult your intelligence when it comes to episode 73. Because you know what it will be. And all I'm going to say is Merry Christmas, everyone. Because if you're going to Chris this Christmas, go for the best possible Chris. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and Letterboxd at Verbal Diorama. If you want to sign up to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com slash verbal diorama. Tiers start at $2 slash £2 a month, depending on where you live. I'm running something called 20 in 2020. And something amazing happened this week because... I actually ended up getting two brand new patrons this week, which is just crazy. So a massive thank you to the first of those brand new patrons, who is Michael. He's just signed up as a Ted Theodore Logan patron. And this is especially nice for me because Michael and I used to work together a few years back. So if anyone knows and appreciates my weirdness, it's Michael. Uh, And second, massive thank you to a new patron, who is Matt. He signed up this week as a Jack Traven patron. Matt is the host of the podcast from outer space uh, and he's always been so invested in contributing to the podcast Uh, and honestly the fact two people signed up in one week is just floors me completely Uh, Michael Matt you are brilliant wonderful people thank you so much Uh, I feel like I might just make this goal because I wanted to reach 20 patrons in 2020 and there's literally only four left to go Uh, so it's crazy it might just work If you would like to sign up to support the show, that would be amazing. A massive thank you, as always, to the patrons of Verbal Diorama. They are Simon E, Sade, Hardy L, Claudia, Simon B, Laurel, Derek, Jason, Kristin, Kat, 
Andy, Mike, Griff, Luke, Emily, Michael and Matt for being good people, but most importantly, being great heroes. I have a merch store, which is teespring.com slash store slash verbal diorama. If you want to buy something for Christmas for someone, I don't know why anyone would. But if you do, it's there. Patrons also get percentages off in the store as well. So if you are a patron, check out your perks. Uh, There is a voucher code for you guys. And you can get, I think it starts at 10% off and it kind of goes up depending on what tier you're at. Uh, But anyway, you can get money off. If you want to get in touch with me, it's verbaldiorama at gmail.com. And I'm still writing for film stories. I don't know how. Some reason Simon Brew is still allowing me to do so. And I obviously write for the website and I write for the magazine. There is a new issue of the magazine coming out shortly, which I think might have two things from me in, but I'm not entirely sure. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. I've not been told. I submitted two things. Um, So there's that. There's also the website. I recently had a piece uh, published on Grease 2, which I'm very, very proud of. So to go to the website, type in Grease 2 in the search, you'll find my little article. I still recommend British podcasts. So if you're a British podcast and you've not been recommended by me yet, let me know. Um, And finally, this episode's gone really long, you guys, but... I can do this all day. Like, quite literally, I sit here and I do this all day. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I could speak about the first Avenger all day, but I'm a girl out of time. So, bye.